0: So this is Robert Brunhage. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very like unique uh, last name. It's it? like only my f- like family, or yeah, only my family, pretty much. And it's like the the. In Swedish, we used to say Brunhage. Okay. Oh, <laughs> but then like. <laughs> Everybody has said Brunhage everywhere. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's that now. So okay, Brunhage. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with that.
1: Um, so you have a little YouTube channel that's a little smaller than mine. So maybe this will give yeah, you some yeah, publicity. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Good times. I'm just kidding. He has a pretty big YouTube channel with over 21,000 subscribers now. Um, it's based on Flutter. And uh, he's been doing it for a while now, right? Yeah. Would yeah. you start your YouTube channel?
0: I think it's like two years, maybe a bit over, maybe.
1: That's so. That's a long time to be doing YouTube. I feel like I've I've been doing it for like one year now, and it feels like forever. And I started. I don't
0: even remember like what what life was like before I started YouTube. (laughs) Oh, I remember all my old videos, and I don't (laughs) recommend anyone (laughs) to watch them at all. (laughs) I just want to remove them, but people still say that they help. So I'm like, okay. Have you noticed that like? uh, your old videos still get a ton of views because yeah, on my channel
1: <laughs> yeah, they're still like one of my first one of my first videos. I think my second video is probably my most viewed video. Almost every month, like one of the top three most viewed videos every month. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> like guys, I just promise the stuff has
0: gotten better since then. <laughs> I still get questions like uh, on my first video, I had like the font size really really small. So I would still get like questions or comments saying like I, I can't see the code. What, what should I do? Like <laughs> I don't know. Watch a newer video. I like fixed it through the video scene or something like that. <laughs> That's the worst.
1: But um, all right. I wanted to ask you about how did you get started in development? Because I'm I'm pretty interested about like I feel like everybody has their unique stories. There's a lot of people I see on the internet that kind of started from like scratch. They just decided one day to learn
0: coding. How did you get started? uh so that's a pretty interesting one so when i was in high school uh i'm not sure that translates to the correct high school but anyway uh <laughs> high school uh, we had like a a programming course i think it was java and i, I really really hated it uh, i didn't want to <laughs> i didn't want to be in that course <laughs> yeah. uh and then i got help from my brother doing that course i so i passed it at least mm-hmm. <laughs> But then I was like, yeah, I'm. I'm not going to do any kind of programming-related things. Uh, but I always like been interested in uh, like hardware, so building computers, uh, fixing things. That's one of the ways I got into like fixing up my own keyboards and making them more nice. I guess uh, that was like what I did mostly. So I started working. So after high school, I started like directly working with. Uh, fixing macbooks Mm -hmm. and then like fixing chromebooks I think it was and then after like half a year or a bit more than that after like fixing I don't know 10 macbooks a day or 15 macbooks a day I was like ah this is getting pretty repetitive (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then I got into uh, because I always wanted to teach somehow so Mm -hmm. then I got into like teaching and then I started teaching in the high school that I, I was in Uh, So teaching uh, more hardware related things and network uh, or networking. And then I was like, yeah, I think teaching is fun, but the hardware thing still gets very repetitive. Um, At least what I think at least. And then I want to do something on on my spare time. So as my brother was already like programming uh, a bit uh, and one of my... Uh, friends went into like a a like oh what is it called? Like Same a half, half a year like study or mm-hmm. half work thing to Volvo, where he did some SharePoint related things, um, and that's when we thought like maybe we should try try do some kind of programming just to see how it is like four years after like high school or three yeah. years so. I'd, Maybe it was like two years. Anyway, anyway <laughs> um, then we started making a game in Unity, and we were really trash at it. So me, I couldn't program. My friend couldn't program. On my brother could program. Mm-hmm. So me and my friend used did like all of those visual things, trying to make the the environment and yeah. fixing animations and stuff like that. Um, but then my my brother said like uh, it it gets or it's too much programming for one person when you make or you guys make all of the like, uh, or everything else, the program Mm -hmm. is just, yeah, in in the initial stages of like any kind of thing, you have to do all of the programming and that takes quite a bit of time. Uh, So that's when I like checked out how to program. And I think it was like the Brackeys series Mm -hmm. uh, on Unity C-sharp. I think he had like 15 videos. So I watched that one and I didn't understand anything. I watched it again, didn't understand anything. I think I watched it like five times until I understood the basics. Um, But even then, I'm pretty sure I forgot like the most important parts. Like I didn't understand how lists worked at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand inheritance at all. But I understood like this, you can create a variable, you can create a class, and then you can have some methods. That was like the basic things I understood. So. When we did, or when I tried to help with programming, uh, I could do some basic things. But when we tried to do like um, things like an inventory, I didn't mm-hmm. know how to make an inventory because the inventory is just basically a bunch of lists. And I didn't know how to use lists. <laughs> I didn't understand like the, the basic concept of an inventory is just taking an item, adding it mm-hmm. to a list, removing it from a list, switching positions from a list or array or whatever you want to call it. And I was like, okay. And then, um, and then my friend was done with that like uh, course or s- study or work thing for half a year mm-hmm. at Volvo, and they recommended him a a one and a half year course where they stud or where they where they C uh, sharp and SharePoint. And this was back in, I think it was two thousand and. 16 or 17, I think. And then I yeah, and then I joined him as well. So we did that uh, course for one and a half year. And then directly after that, we got into yeah, we got into our first job. And then I switched job. And then mm-hmm. during that time, I also wanted to make some kind of like uh, apps. And then I got into yeah, Flutter that way, pretty much.
1: So, so you went from. Just, so you didn't, you didn't have a degree or anything. You just went from no. just picking it up from YouTube and stuff like that, self-taught, right?
0: Yeah. So pretty much the basics, uh, or every all the basics, I pretty much taught myself. Uh, the the games were really, really trash. I didn't really <laughs> <laughs> like. I wouldn't recommend anyone to play them. I don't <laughs> even know if I have them uh, left or I have them anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I learned like the basics by myself and then like that first c sharp course in that um, uh in that one i don't know what is it called not course in uh, way. maybe like uh, that work wa- study i think yeah something like that something like that. Uh, that first um, course of c sharp that was like super super sure. simple because i already know all of those basics it was just like um it like it reinforced some some like concepts like uh, inheritance and yeah, of course, lists again. <laughs> uh, but other than that, then it was just like building on top of those, pretty much. And uh, yeah,
1: I mean that's that's nuts. So I feel like so in America, it's like pretty hard to get a computer like science or development yeah. job if you don't have a degree. Is it the same way over there, or was how, uh, how did you how did you manage to get that? Because I know. Yeah. You, like, so work it, for it some depends. Companies too,
0: right? Uh, yeah. So it it depends. So you could probably get jobs without like any kind of uh, um, uh, education, mm-hmm. but then then you would have to show a bit for it. So you have to make a like probably good projects on the side, mm-hmm. and then be able to show that. So what I did was that my um, it's not like. The education is not the same as, um, so we we have two types of educations in Sweden pretty much, the normal type of education where you have like those science degrees and stuff like that, and that was uh, what my brother went through, I think that was was like three years, Mm -hmm. Um, and the one I went through was like a a work-ish education, so the people that taught them was like people coming from uh, uh, companies, And they taught them, and the only courses or um, the education types they had was depending on what the market actually wanted. So, Mm -hmm. for example, this uh, education was SharePoint, and that's because the market really needed SharePoint developers pretty much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we did, like, I don't even remember any kind of SharePoint things, but a lot of the things we did was web-related. So we did a bunch of React, CSS, and then backend and stuff like that. So the first job wasn't that much SharePoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a bunch of like web development, pretty much.
1: That's. I feel like that. That sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> like they, yeah. Instead of going to school, because like f- my first year at like a job, I learned like more than I ever learned at school in terms yeah. of development. And that seems like to actually have it set up in a way where you learn with the job and people actually do it. That seems like. It seems like the way yeah. it should be, like that should definitely be an option here. I feel like I've never heard of that.
0: Yeah. So, so a lot of the people that went into that, uh, like, course education or whatever you call it, uh, a lot of them com- came from the same, uh, like, higher education that my brother went through, uh, like, science degree, uh, not science degree. Okay. I don't even remember what this was called. Anyway, they come from that, like, normal education type, but they couldn't get a job. So, they went through. Uh, the same education as I did because the main, the main difference is that we had like uh, the the education only exists if there's a demand in it Uh, and the ones teaching it are from different companies. So we get connections to companies quite like directly. Mm -hmm. And then as well as um, we also had like uh, two sessions or two times we had like six or eight weeks of like, uh, learning in learning in a company pretty much as part of the curriculum um so that was like uh, the places i were uh, or learning or working in the education uh that place I got to work directly after the education pretty much so it's kind of i mean we have like internships here it yeah seems
1: like, it seems like an internship, but
0: actually like longer. yeah it's an internship, but it's inside the education, so it's part of it so you have to complete. You have to do they like yeah the internship mm-hmm. and then they like grade you or the company grade you like oh you were a good candidate or a good person or you did yeah. these things or you uh, you worked with these things that uh, education wants you to do and stuff like that.
1: I mean, it seems like a good idea. I feel like we should start doing that here. This...
0: <laughs> <laughs> we I I really thought it it was like not it should like I can't you know even it? speak it seems like it should be other like countries doing the same thing. Like, I don't know about it, but at least it's Sweden. It's like super common. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, here, here, it's not a common at all. You have to go through four years. Then getting the internship during the summers is like impossible. <laughs> like, like people that know somebody, they can easily get an yeah. internship. But like for me, my family's here, like the first yeah. generation. Like we're the only family. We don't know anybody. I have to apply to like like 200 300 even internships first year i got one in um first year i got one in like the school had like this program it's called like a guaranteed paid internship program
0: yeah
1: you had a high enough gpa they got you into it but like internship was kind of shitty it was like uh it was at the actual school and it was interesting because like i learned a lot but like i didn't do anything yeah I just learned, uh, just did more school during the summer, which is
0: cool, I guess, but didn't make it. So, like, I think the main difference with uh, the education I went through was that I guess your education was very, or had like a lot of courses that was very, like, uh, what are you called? Higher education types of courses. So, like, learning more data structures and stuff like that. Mm the, the education that I went through was not really that much about that. It was very much uh teaching the things that you're going to work with. So for example, we had first we had the C sharp course, then we had the C sharp 2 course, which was directly mm-hmm. with uh ASP.NET, I think it was. Yeah. And then we got into .NET Core. Uh, and then we got into React and just working like with those different frameworks, learning the basics. Uh but more like the the way you pretty much work with them in work, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's a really good way to learn too, because you know, I
1: mean, yeah. you probably hear people like, "Oh, the best way to learn is build projects." If you're starting by yourself, yeah. well, this is like build projects while being guided by people who actually do this yeah. stuff. Like that's yeah. like that's should be done more. Should be done everywhere yeah. around the world. But um, all right, I also wanted to go over how did you start with Flutter because that's completely different from. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like what you're doing in your day job, well, not completely different, but like, it's different.
0: So, yeah. So uh, during that when during that time I was in education, um, I wanted to do side projects. So I did so still some kind of like small Unity projects and stuff mm-hmm. like that because I used to thought it was fun. Um, but then I I don't remember what I wanted to do. It was some kind of app I wanted to do at least. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it was, like, some typical, like, social media food <laughs> app or whatever I want to do. Um, um, and I did it in Android, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah, I did it in Android. And then when I got, like, two months in, I thought like, but if I'm going to make an app, I would want to release it on yeah. iOS as well. <laughs> and I thought like, um, that, that this is pretty much, mm-hmm. like, a lot of work. And I wasn't even, like close to finish, because yeah. that was, like, a super ambitious, ambitious prog- project, and I started to think, like, is there any way to build for both, or should I learn one and build the other one, uh, and that's when one of the people in uh, the same education as me said that, oh, but there is Samarin. so you can check out Samarin to build, uh, like, cross-platform for both of them, and I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. I checked it out a little bit, um, but it was still like Xamarin was very, very different than like normal native development. Yeah. And Xamarin
1: uh, is Microsoft, right?
0: Yeah, or yeah. I don't know if it was that then, but probably I, I don't really know. I didn't. I took like a week or two weeks <laughs> looking into it, yeah. uh, and I felt like this. It didn't feel intuitive um, as I wanted to, and then at that same time, I think. Yeah, that specific week that I was looking into finding a way to build both of them, or if I should learn iOS as well. Uh, Flutter released their like um, first trailer mm-hmm. that like the the welcome to beta of uh, Flutter or something like that. Um, so it's like okay, I will try that out. Maybe it's from it's from mm-hmm. Google, so I can't hurt to like try it out at least. Um, so I tried it out. Took like one or two days. Just going through the documentation, learning that uh, basic app they wanted to do. I don't even remember what it was now. Probably it was like a list, it. and then you used heart list items or something like that. Probably something uh, like they always do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I went through. I went through that, uh, and I understood some of the things. Hmm. And then I was like, okay. And there was like no content of it at all. It was just like those basic documentation and they had like really great documentation. So I thought like, okay, I will see if I can uh, recreate the app I had done in two months in Flutter. And I think it took like, from not knowing anything, it took like one and a half week and I had the same result. Yeah, sure, it was, I I knew most of the things, the backend was set up and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I just felt it was very intuitive to get into. Uh, coming from, like, I didn't know much Android development back then either. So I remember when I first made that app in Android and I was going to make a list view for all of the posts of food. Mm -hmm. And I had to, like, I I made a normal list view or something like that. And it didn't work good. And then they recommended that you should have a recycler view so it doesn't render all of the things at the same time. And then that recycled view had to have an adapter, and I didn't understand any of this when I actually did it. Uh, and that I don't know how many lines that like list class became. It was like two thousand lines of code used to display a list. it was very, very horrible. and then I made that same list in flutter and was like list view dot builder and I was like. <laughs> What what <laughs> am I doing? <laughs> and then yeah, that, at that time, I used to switch over to Flutter and just learn the basics. Mm-hmm. And then when I did that, I realized there was like, I think MTech Viral was the only one doing videos back then. And I don't think he had many videos. Or he has quite a lot of videos anyway. But uh, I, I felt like every time I searched something that was uh, that I wanted to learn. It was, like, no videos of it, and the only thing I could find was, like, um, uh, w- like when searching for Flutter on YouTube, when there was no Flutter videos, the only thing that appeared was, like, a pony coming from, like, My Little Pony or something, <laughs> because that pony was called Flutter, and I was, like, every time, so I, I remember back, like, one year ago, I made a tweet, and I said, like, uh, is there anyone else remembering that time when you search for something on YouTube for Flutter and you only find ponies <laughs> everywhere? <laughs> so that was the time when I made videos because I thought like, yeah, maybe other people shouldn't have to <laughs> do the same thing I did. <laughs> I have to deal with the My Little Ponies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, so that's man. pretty much how I started to make videos. So it's kind
1: of it's kind of funny that you mentioned like your first app was like a social media type of app. Yeah, that yeah exactly that's exactly what mine was too. Yeah. <laughs> I think
0: that's probably like the most, uh, the, like the app that everyone tries to do in the beginning mm-hmm. because they, they always get inspired by something like Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. And they just want to make like those, the biggest, biggest apps that they can do, but they don't realize how actually big they are. Yeah. Not just like, showing you the list, then you have to, for example, if you are doing like some kind of social media, then Firestore, for example, or I don't even know that Firestore was a thing back then, but real-time database, it's like super hard to handle like those uh, many-to-many relationships for posts and followers and stuff like that. Uh, I think it's gotten a bit better now with like um, collection deep queries and stuff like that in Firestore. Uh, but back then it was just a hassle and it felt so weird duplicating so much data everywhere, having cloud functions, duplicating who you're following and then you unfollow to remove all of those. And yeah, it was not it was not a good experience trying to do that with uh, having no experience and then a real or a NoSQL database pretty much. I feel
1: like yeah, everybody underestimates like how, how complex those apps are. I, f- I remember... Yeah when I was making mine, one of the hardest things I found was to do the actual like feed to show people you follow, to show their actual content. Like either, either there was an option. You copy all the, like everybody's stuff into your own collection. Everybody's posting to your own. Yeah. You do some, have to do some other crazy stuff. Uh, you you get some appreciation for that stuff. But also I think, I think, uh, that probably helps help me. I think a lot to learn about, um, Programming, building apps and stuff, because like trying to build that, you're like, there's so many yeah. problems you have to solve. Everything else is like a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, true. I I still remember because when I made that app, I think the first thing I wanted to do was not to, like uh, feed of posts uh, when going over to Flutter. The first thing I wanted to do was like the profile page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way I had done my profile page was like, I had a a banner color. And then like half or at the bottom of that banner color, I want to have like a circle for the um, like the profile picture. Mm-hmm. And then just had some like metadata, uh, such as like name. And then yeah. I think I pretty much copied the Instagram way of doing <laughs> it. And then they had like the posts down there uh, and the followers and stuff like that. But that was probably the time I realized that Flutter was like super easy to make UIs because making use a circle and then putting a face in it was just an, like a uh, circular avatar widget. And I was like, oh, <laughs> somebody <laughs> thought of this before me. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then all of the other ones was just like column, row, text. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I,
1: mean, I came from, I did a little bit of Android development, like yeah. I said, in my first internship that I had, but that stuff was a lot harder than, I think at the yeah. end of the summer, I had the most basic thing, like, I ever made but it's it was so much color and everything and flutter makes it yeah. so much easier <laughs> it's just i feel like i feel like a lot of people that haven't tried it and i feel like that's the biggest selling point of flutter is the yeah. actual like how simple and easy it is to do but um so you mentioned that you worked with uh, you looked into zamarin or whatever yeah. that cross-platform thing is How about React Native? Because that was so when I started, I started in beta with Flutter as well, but not as early as you. I was like towards the end, like I think a month or two before it came stable. And then uh, I was looking at React Native as well. And Mm. I decided to go with Flutter, but
0: I wonder what your reasoning was. Uh, So actually, I had done quite a lot of, or quite a lot. I did work with uh, web development at that time. Uh, So I actually worked with React. So I had like a very good understanding of those things. Uh, and it was just like a a fluke, pretty much. I didn't actually know about React Native when I found Flutter, so I didn't have to make that comparison between them. Should I choose React Native? Should I choose Flutter? I didn't I didn't even know about know about React Native. So I was like, okay, go Flutter. <laughs> and then uh, and then afterwards, I have checked it out some, and I think like my. My honest opinion on which way you should go or not, if you are like coming from a web development experience, um, I don't think it would hurt to do any of them. Uh, In the end, I think React Native is a good approach. I I don't have anything like against it. It's just that I don't think either that going into Flutter is hard if you're a web developer. Like Dart is a super simple language either way. So if you know like JavaScript or TypeScript or whatever, Um, And, of course, I had, like, background in C Sharp as well. But, like, Dart was never an issue for me. I picked it up quite quickly. And I still remember that first app I did. uh, And uh, I got some help from Simon Lightfoot. And all of my methods didn't have a return type or the type. So I didn't write void. I didn't write, like, the return type and stuff like that. So he like refactored everything. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think if you want to try out Flutter, it's it's like check a basic Dart course or Dart series on YouTube or whatever to just understand the basics, and that's pretty much it. You don't have to understand more than the basics to make quite complex apps anyway. Uh, and if you if you don't want to learn Flutter because you already know like TypeScript or JavaScript and you don't want to learn Dart, then you just go React Native. And if you find out that yeah, some things doesn't work on React Native, yeah, then you can of course check out some other solutions. Yeah. But it's just like Flutter is just a tool as anything else. If it doesn't or if you find something else that fits your needs, then you of course pick that. It's no need to like learn more things than necessary pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Unless you want to, of course.
1: <laughs> that's uh, It's not a good. Uh, so you, usually, you know, all the people that are into Flutter, they all yeah. hate on React Native, but yeah, you have to be a little more kind about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I like. Uh, I have a friend that. Uh, I don't think he got that work. He, he had like a consultant. Uh, 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 thing he wants uh, the the company wanted him to do was which was React Native. And, like, I looked into it some, and I was like, nah, just go, <laughs> just do it pretty much. Mine, mine was a little bit different. I started with, uh,
1: so the way I did the social media app thing, Yeah. I first started with a website. So I did, I tried to do the whole social media thing with HTML, CSS, like JavaScript, all that yeah. stuff, which makes it even harder than trying to do it with, like, yeah. <laughs> something. and then uh, I ran into, I, I kind of, like, finished it. And it was for the most part like okay, but then um, I started using it. I started having other people use it, and then I ran into some issues with like multithreading or something. Yeah. Like, all right, I got to take a pause. Like I don't know what the hell I'm doing <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I got to go learn about this stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I had an idea to make some app. That idea quickly like disappeared. I'm like, oh, let's. But it seems like t- it seems to be a little bit easier to make apps than websites. Yeah. With like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript so i'm like all right let's uh let's look into this and i decided to, let's try to make the social media now with an app yeah <laughs> and I, have you heard of ionic framework yeah 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 so i started with ionic before flutter and it was it was decent it wasn't like wasn't anything special it had more like web yeah. looking, like uh workflow and then um and I went okay, and I'm. But then I saw like Flutter. I saw I think maybe the same video of them like announcing Flutter. But I saw it like three or four months after it actually yeah. started. I'm like, oh, I should try this. And I saw React Native. I'm like, oh, React people actually use like React Native <laughs> professionally at this point. But then I realized React was made by Facebook, and I'm like, that just made the decision for me. <laughs> like we're going with Flutter. And then, uh, and yeah, that that led to another. Um, so. You started your YouTube channel because you wanted to show people
0: about Flutter because there was nothing with Flutter, right? Yeah, so pretty That's much it. just make it so people don't come into like those hard like- Little ponies. Po- yeah, yeah. <laughs> little ponies. No, yeah. but just get trying to not make people get stuck as much as I did in the beginning because like now I think people underestimate how much content there is actually out there to actually solve the different problems that they want to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the beginning, the only thing we like had to find different solutions was like the documentation. Yeah. so the documentation was everything, and that's still the only thing that I pretty much use, yeah. unless it's my old videos shaking things that I forgot <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I noticed that's one
1: of the best things about having a YouTube channel like if i if I did the topic in the back yeah. like before, I'm the best person to explain it to like myself. yeah, so I can literally learn the a whole topic and like, eight minutes if i forgot it's, it's amazing yeah but you work full-time while doing this youtube channel yeah how do you manage that because i know my me personally working full-time and creating youtube videos it's a lot of work like people i don't think realize how much work youtube yeah. takes but
0: how do you know manage- so, so during the for example during the education i was or did mm-hmm. uh, every time i got home Uh, I started working on the unity project and I did this for like six or seven months, like every day. And I worked all of the weekends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course I did some other things as well. I played games and took like walks and stuff like that. But most of the times I was just like programming uh, like very, very minimal or quite a lot. Um, So that pretty much got me used to working quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, then when I started the videos, I did it because I really like doing it. Um, so it wasn't like a big, it didn't strain that much, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but the strain come like came a bit afterwards. So I think I did two videos a week for like I don't really know how how long it is, but I did it for a while, um, and that's when I started to feel like that burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, because i was working full time i wanted to do, like build something my own so i built apps and i uh, did websites and stuff like that um, and then every time i got stuck on something i want to make a video on it so i then made a video of it uh, and that went just on and on for every week uh, two times a week so that at that time after I've a while after that i I got pretty burned out, so I stopped making videos mm-hmm. um and then I think I don't really know how long I stopped making videos. I think it was like half a year or something like that. It was quite a big break um but after that like it didn't feel like um Like the only thing I did was when when I stopped making the videos, I used to replace it with something else. So I started like building my apps more, pretty much. So Mm -hmm. I still like worked as much as I did before, and that just yeah kept going on all the time. But I noticed like the one the one thing that um, made it fun to make videos was like finding a topic that I thought was fun Mm -hmm. and then trying to trying to make it. In a way that pretty much you think is fun and not being a, like a hassle because the way the reason I could make apps or like learn programming in my spare time that much after work as well was because I enjoyed doing those things so I enjoyed making games on my spare time I enjoyed making like apps on my spare time and as long as you pretty much make YouTube the same thing I believe it's a bit easier to do and this I realized probably like three months ago. (laughs) So after making videos for like, or being in the YouTube space for like one and a half years or more, that's pretty much the time I realized that I shouldn't make videos used to um, have a goal of showing as much as possible, but more of showing things that I enjoy more Mm -hmm. or showing things that I think is more fun to do. Um, And of course I have to like, Think that okay is someone going to watch this video more than this video? Then yeah, I probably should focus more on the video that the person will enjoy more. Yeah. But I try to make it still as a as a way that I think is fun, uh, because if I don't think it's fun, I'm just going to get burned out, and then I will create no videos. So it's like, like that's the main the main thing that drives me is pretty much making it fun, I think. And then of course having those small goals of like earning. X amount of uh, money a month for mm-hmm. releasing x amount of videos a month for getting X amount of views or whatever yeah. Th- those little small goes help but you still get burned out watching them uh, like every month
1: i think that's i mean i think that's how you sh- how it's important to keep it like that keep it fun because i yeah. realized i was doing two videos a week before previously two and i was kind of forcing yeah. them out I had, I had like this whole series called like the book club app series and yeah. I was trying to build an app while making videos for it. And then I realized, like, that's a ton of work. And then I was, like, forcing myself to do it. And then I kind of stopped. Yeah. It. And I started doing, like, I, I don't know if you noticed, but my recent videos are more about, like, theoretical parts of, like, how yeah. Flutter renders wi- widgets. And, like, that stuff actually yeah. interests me
0: more. So that, that's why I've yeah. been doing that more. But I think that's, like, the approach, the the best approach. Like, if you have something that you enjoy doing, then, of, of course, there would be times where... For example, it's a video or a week you don't want to make a video because you're tired or you want to take a break or something like that. And I, I still haven't myself found a good, like, way around this. Mm-hmm. Either I don't make a video that week, but then I think I should have made a video, and then I just pressure myself that okay, now YouTube will not recommend my videos as much, and then I just push myself to create that video. Uh, so I, I don't have any solution for that <laughs> yet. But like, all of the times at least when I make videos that I don't have that like experience then I think it's fun and that drives me to go through that boring time when I don't want to make a video too much <laughs> I gotta get those a lot too where you just yeah.
1: kind of have to force yourself but and for me at least I noticed even like when I'm forcing myself it I guess when it comes to like anything that I do I have to sometimes sometimes force myself at the beginning yeah. and then like then you start like oh damn this is actually a pretty cool video or something like that or pretty cool app and it gets it gets better It's I, yeah. I think it's hard but it's still fun overall even yeah. during the bad times um so do you have any i always kind of feel a little bit like i'm a imposter when i'm yeah. on my when i'm making videos on flutter because technically i don't have any apps on the app store right now i have like Three apps that went to beta and then died yeah. off in beta and I never released them. Do you have any apps in the
0: App Store? Uh yeah, but so so the way I made apps was that I never actually wanted I didn't really care about marketing them that okay. much. And that's probably the the main thing you should probably do if you want yeah. <laughs> to use is to like focus probably like more than 50% on just the marketing. Okay. Uh but like the viewpoint I had when I made apps was just making apps for Small things that I wanted to solve for myself. Mm-hmm. So the first app that I actually released was like a uh, a reminder application for watering your plants,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, because I we we just moved to our first apartment that time, and we got some like plants from my parents and neighbor mm-hmm. and stuff like that to have an apartment, and we never like remembered to actually water them, uh, and there was one other application. And it looked really bad, so I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like it, but just because, just the reason that it looked bad. So I made an uh, an application that the sole purpose of it was to just look better than that one. I didn't care about some of the features, so I didn't implement them. I just wanted it to look a bit better. Mm-hmm. So 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 like, I made it for myself, uh, and then I just published it, and I didn't market it at all, pretty mm-hmm. much. I probably put out one tweet or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, let's see, then I made another app, which was just putting down how much you earn, like, in terms of money, uh, a month from side things. So, for example, in this case, it would be YouTube. And then I could, like, put down, okay, I earned $20 or something like that this month. And then could put a category on it. And then I would get, depending on how much I earned that month, I could uh, get levels pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I have a level from one to, I don't even remember now, one to 40. And mm-hmm. then I would get stars and levels for, for a way to boost me pretty much to to try to push yeah. push myself. Yeah. And then having some small like graphs and stuff like that. And then, but I never really made apps to to make them. Mm-hmm. to make money off them or to make a lot of viewers or viewers uh um, users
1: yeah.
0: i don't think that was ever a goal i tried to do it some but it wasn't really the the part that i enjoyed yeah so then i thought more of the making videos part i don't see it as um, or i try to not see it as having like imposter syndrome because I still can make apps pretty much. Yeah. And I know, like, the, I, I know probably more than the basics at least. <laughs> yeah. So, like, of course, I don't know how to market apps, but that's not the thing that I'm focused on. I don't focus on, like, here is how you're going to get 10,000 users mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I, I don't have that experience. I don't know, but I have the experience of making apps. So that's what I try to focus on more.
1: Yeah. I think my, my point with the imposter syndrome was for me, I don't even have anything to like, if someone searched my name on the app store, like yeah. try to find my apps, I don't even have anything to show for it. So they're like, yeah, oh, yeah for you, but, you at least have some, you yeah, have some garden yeah, apps that have to if they,
0: <laughs> if they use those apps, they will notice how really bad they are. <laughs> because like the first app I released, like, I think it was like two or three months after the beta or when yeah. I started. So that one is like super horrible, <laughs> but it works at least. So yeah. that's one thing. And I still, have, I, I still have all of my projects as private repositories, but I f- still think every time I look back on a project, I used to think the code is really bad. <laughs> so, so I don't share them. Uh, I have one application in the works, uh, but I haven't really got the time to work on it and that one my goal with that one is just yeah it's an app that we use personally here mm-hmm. uh just to make things easier for me uh but the goal for it as well was to test out flutter web uh and then one goal is to make it uh, open source mm-hmm. but like i have worked on that app for like 8 or 9 months because i haven't really gotten time so uh For So all the features, so for example, the first feature I did like nine or 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. So that part is like, I don't really like it because it's (laughs) poorly written compared to like the last part. So Mm -hmm. those things are like stopping me from actually open source it. But I don't think, I don't think like if I, if I don't, I don't think you should get like hindered by those things pretty much. Uh, But yeah.
1: I think, I think everybody goes to it. I go like, yeah. if you look back even two months on any code that I write, I'm like, what the hell was I doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, even looking back to when I first, when I remember that social network app that I was yeah. talking about, it's so like looking back on that, just a mess. Like that's before, yeah. before I even knew what state management was. So I was passing like stuff around everywhere. I didn't even
0: use inherited yeah. widget. I just, it was the worst. <laughs> like so, that is disgusting. Like all I remember in the beginning, I think it was, the only, like, known things you could use was, I don't think provider was a thing back then. Mm-hmm. So we had, is the normal, like, inherited widget, uh, which I didn't really understand at that point. And we had, I think, scoped model was, like, I think it was named scope model at least, was, like, very recently um, announced or added. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, this typical, like, block. Uh, so... I understood, like, the basics of inherited widgets, but I didn't know how to actually actually use it for, like, with the change notifies and stuff like that. Yeah. And scoped model, I tried a bit later. Uh, or actually, that was probably the first thing I tested out, just to understand, like, how to update widgets that it's not, like, yeah, update a child widget somewhere with uh, some common place, pretty much. That that was the time when I understand the concept. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into having like one in basic or generic inherited widget, and just providing my different uh, blocks. And a block is just pretty much a class with a stream. Yeah. It's, it's nothing special at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because that was my first approach, or one of the approaches that I liked the most in the beginning, when Provider was released and all of those other state management solutions was released, I didn't care about them at all because I just used to use the basic block architecture, and then I think um, uh, that the block library was created like a while after that as well, mm-hmm. and I felt like and I looked into it and it just looked like a a block version of uh, Redux, and I said done Redux. I didn't really enjoy Redux. So I was mm-hmm. like me. Nee. <laughs> <laughs> um, and after like, I think it was like one year ago, uh, I tried out just basic provider and change notifiers, I think it was. And that was probably the time I stopped using block altogether mm. because block is not a, after using it, or like now Now I'm not, not talking about the block library. Yeah, I, I haven't really used the library. It's probably a great approach. But like the the normal block architecture where you just create your streams and behavior subjects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh it came with such a big um uh, boilerplate and so many side effects that you didn't really think of. Yeah. And it was just a really hassle when you, when the app got bigger, to me at least when I didn't um or yeah, I d di- I don't really like it. After using mm-hmm. like providers, things not and uh, now, of course, river pod and state not fires. Uh, after going through all of them, it's like, yeah, you can get that job done with all of them. It's it's just a matter of which one you enjoy doing it with.
1: Yeah, from what it seems to me, it seems like there's you have to block has a big like overhead, something like yeah. a, lot, a big learning curve, yeah, but. It could, like, it's definitely a great solution if you have gotten over that learning. Yeah.
0: So it was was very good for learning purposes for when actually getting into uh, using Fire, like Firestore more and just listening to the data mm -hmm. because that provides stream. So I already had quite a lot of knowledge of like um, flat map map and all of those things to manipulate the stream to make it the data I wanted to. But then, of, then it became a problem when I had two different blocks and I wanted them to interact with each other. Then you had to listen to a stream. And then depending on that stream, you put it out data yeah. in the other stream. And those things was just like super big hassle. And yeah. it, was just, it was just not fun. <laughs> so
1: quick question. If you had to pick one uh, state management solution to use for the rest of your Flutter career, what would you pick right now?
0: Mm. like if if everything was like production ready, I would probably go with River Pod and State Notifiers. Uh or value notifiers depending on state notifies direction in the future or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if those didn't exist, uh I would probably just go with provider, probably. was that like- give me your answer Yeah, that. I usually go with like State notifies, then change notifies, value notifies—all of those things. Those are like s- so basic; mm-hmm. it's very simple to work with. Uh, and like Riverpod and Provider and inherited Widgets, it's just a way to provide those like super simple classes. Like as as soon as you understand the basics, basic concepts of it, it's like, yeah, you, you ish- can work with any of them.
1: <laughs> one issue that I've had with that is deciding which one to use, because change notifier, value notifier, state notifier, they all work. So how do you figure out which one to use for which scenario? Like I know there's with state, there's immutability with change notifier, no immutability, right? Yeah.
0: But but like, it doesn't really matter. They both work, right? (laughs) Yeah, so so there's different approaches. Uh, Value notifies are very simple when you use, or value and state notifies can be pretty much used the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh change notify is probably the most basic one or easiest to understand one because yeah. you just you have a class, you have some kind of your normal variables in there, and every time you change those variables, you just call notify listeners. Mm-hmm. Like it's very simple, but there's also some like rules you have to think of. So for example, if you have a variable in a change notifier, you have to make sure that they are private and only ac- or, and only make getters for them. Mm-hmm. So you can't change those actual variables. Uh, from the widget tree, because if you change them and don't call notify listeners, then yeah, then the sure. widget tree won't be rebuilt in those places. Uh, so to me, change notifies had like those. Um, it works great, but it it forces you to think in a way that I think should be like standard. You don't you shouldn't have to think of those because you can could, sure. could miss them. For example, you can. Um, For example, if you use a list in a change notifier and you make a getter for a list, Mm -hmm. you can still add items to that list. So in that case, you have to make a getter for, uh, I don't even remember what it's called, unmodifiable list and then provide that list inside it or something like that. And it's just some like those small things that you don't think of. And then after like, let's say you create a big app and then you have used getters for list and then half a year later, you're like, oh, a list. And then you add items to it and it doesn't update. And then it's very hard to debug because items get added to the list, but it does update. And um, yeah, so that that's why I don't really use change notifiers. Value notifiers, though, I really like uh, because you don't have to call like, um, you don't have to call notify listeners mm-hmm. because every time a value update or the value updates, it, everything that listens to that value will get updated. Uh, but then, uh, then there is the case where in the widget tree, you can actually still change the value because the value is not uh, protected inside that class. So you could, when you have a class and you use Provider, for example, to provide that value down, you can still change that value anywhere in the widget tree or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's no nothing wrong with that, but it's just that when the application grows, uh, the more you do that, it's harder to find the places where you change the value incorrectly. So let's say you always want to um, add, like, a, a user class inside the value or something like that. Mm-hmm. Depending on where you use it, maybe you have done something wrong with the user class and that value will be updated. But if you... Uh, only have like a method in the value notifier and always call that method, then you know that every place that the value changes is always this specific method. So there you can always debug it and you see that, okay, print out the user that gets into here. And you can maybe notice that, okay, when I click that button, the user doesn't have a h, it's null or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then again, the value is not protected, so you could still do the change. And that's when uh, I found state notifier, and they have made the value in value notifier uh, protected instead. So you can't, in the widget tree, do... So they don't call it value there. They call it state instead. But you da- you can't say, uh, like, my state notifier dot state is equal something, because then it will just give a compiler warning saying that uh, state is protected, because you can only change state within the class. Yeah. So it has four... It has all of the like benefits of value notifiers and change notifiers. but it protects you from all of those like stupid silly mistakes that mm-hmm. you can do. And yeah, the, other than that, it's just it's just a great like experience to always to always be forced to make the changes in those classes instead. I mean, it seems
1: like seems like the go,
0: everybody recommends the go-to way is to just use state notifier. Yeah, because it's just because there's always those times when you just want to like try something really quickly or you see if something works and then you say like, okay, I'm just going to change this value here in this method in the widget mm-hmm. and you do that and it works. And then you do some other changes or fix some bug or whatever, and you forget that one. And then you think, Oh, I will get back to that one. And then those things just pile up. Yeah. Uh, but when you have like a more structured or forced way, you, you, you go with that because you don't have another choice and it's not like super much boilerplate or something like that it's just a different class it's just it's forcing you to have a method in that class instead yeah <laughs> it's like
1: makes sense i mean uh, there's a reason everybody recommends it and think And yeah. uh, I, I know a couple other people have recommended that's what i've been using i've been using state yeah. notifier with uh verbat as well it's been yeah. working well i have no complaints so <laughs> yeah must be the good way but i realize we're like an hour in already, and uh, nice. I haven't even gotten to any of the <laughs> questions I asked people on, to ask on Twitter. <laughs> so Good I guess I, I feel like I could, I feel like I could ask you enough for like hours and a whole day, but I think we gotta answer some of the yeah, other yeah. questions. There's two specifically that I was curious about as well.
0: Yeah.
1: So, how do you do? What
0: is your YouTube workflow, and how do you create videos? I guess. Uh, so the way I make videos is pretty much the same way that Fireship does it. Uh, so he made, so if those for the, that do not know, Fireship is like a very big YouTuber for making development videos. Mm-hmm. And he released in, he made another channel under his name, um, uh, which, which goes through like the workflow that he uses for making videos. and I, uh, And I took that workflow, tried to make it as much as my own as possible to see how it pretty much worked. So I I tried this out for like three months ago before I started making the videos. Uh, Again, after taking like a small break. Uh, So now my workflow is pretty much found out the topic that I want to cover. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's an application or if it's just like a small thing, depending on what it is, I create the application and I try to use it for at least two days. Uh, because there's always like so, like small things that you don't notice. For example, mm-hmm. uh, some of the latest videos I've done is like the movie app and stuff like that, where you have, like, if you don't have internet connection, it will show a no network or whatever. And there's like always small things that you don't notice when you actually code it for a video. So I try to just test it and use it for two days, pretty much, just to see so I don't forget or have like major bugs in it. And then when that is done, I used to clean up the code a bit. And then uh, I have that project on another screen. I open a new project and I used to record the whole workflow. So uh, I used to record the whole screen for when I have the new project. uh, Mm -hmm. Just go through the things. So like removing all of the comments, adding the different packages, and then just trying to code it up in a a structured way as I think it makes sense pretty much. Yeah. Um, and if I make mistakes, I can just cut cut those out pretty much. Or just, if I mistype something, I just cut that piece out later on. But what I pretty much do is just record a screen for the whole app creation or the video creation. And then I just have that, that content. And I have it uh, uh, just one big video or maybe like three videos or something like that, depends. Then I use uh, Premiere Pro for doing the videos. Um, and the first thing I do is not actually adding any of that content. That is just the bare bone or body that I want to have. Mm-hmm. So I try to aim to have a like one minute intro where I try to make the video as interesting as possible. Uh, because I've noticed that as soon as the coding part starts, a lot of the people drop off. So I want to make it such a way that it's, it's more fun to watch. It's just not like the normal learn how to do this thing because those, yeah, sure, those videos are great, but it's not really fun to watch them sometimes. It's, it can be, it's more fun to watch a video where you learn stuff, but still think like, oh, this was like fun to watch pretty much. So mm-hmm. I try to make that intro as fun as possible or good as possible where I just give an overview and trying to make a introduction of what the actual content is. So not like, today we are going to create this app, yep. but more about like, um, for example, a movie app. A movie app can do these kind of things. So like showing videos, arrow connections, network, whatever, whatever, like, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so making it more fun, pretty much. So I try to just take GIFs and like icons and stuff like that to make it uh, as entertaining as possible. Then the body, I go into cutting up all of those pieces of uh, the video I have, and you just cut out all of the bad parts, make it as short as possible, but still like understandable. Um, and then I voice over all of that. So I try to voice over like it probably becomes like one or two sentences at most, and then I record next one or two sentences, and that part can take like I don't know. If I have all of the content done, then the voiceover is pretty quick. It takes like 40 minutes to an hour or something like that. Uh, and then and then, then the intro and body is done, and then it's just an outro. And the outro is like, I have all of those uh, after effects for like Patreon and stuff like that done. So I just add them in and then voiceover that part as well. So that's pretty much the workflow I use. So, so you kind of record the video twice almost because once you do yeah, it pretty for, much, yeah. for the so, actual
1: screen and then the other...
0: Yeah. So how I did videos before was just coding and explaining at the same time. Mm-hmm. But what I, like, first I did a tons of mistakes. I had to edit quite a lot. Uh, and also it was many times, especially in the beginning, where I recorded and then stopped recording, recorded, stopped recording because, like, I did so many mistakes, mm-hmm. and it was just annoying. And when I did voiceover instead, I, you can just—I don't have to cut out ten minutes of videos because of a mistake. I can just cut out that two seconds of mistakes instead. Uh, but it became more video editing related instead of just coding and having a recorder on at the same time. It became more about recording the content and then making something out of that mm-hmm. instead and that made it just more fun for me I guess pretty much
1: I mean I can definitely see it it seems
0: the way you explained it got me a little mesmerized I'm like
1: maybe yeah. I should try it, <laughs> because like, like yeah you miss out the whole like a lot of my videos most of the most of the video it usually shot take the shot as like an hour long I do it okay. like in one shot but I'm repeating myself like time and time again and yeah. gotta cut those out and like it's just It's a mess, and like I feel like with you, the way you approach it, it becomes more of a creative outlet, kind of, because you're trying to like just think like you're you're trying to be more creative and putting it together in a nice way instead
0: of cutting out the nonsense that you said. (laughs) Yeah, because like a lot of the times uh, when I recorded normally, just recording uh, and doing the code at the same time, uh, I think like. The first time it was very bad, so I used to remove that piece, record it, and did everything again. Another one, it became a bit better. I did of one, one, became a bit better, and then like the fourth or fifth time, then I was happy, and then I could have started editing and removing other those like those small mistakes. Yeah. I always wanted to try to make like a whole uh, a whole session where I had as little mistakes as possible, so I could have the editing part as little as possible. But then. Then the first part did take a lot of time instead like i just changing where i put the time pretty much exactly i, th- I don't even think it's possible to do like a whole tutorial yeah <laughs> it's always small mistakes so then you say like random words that doesn't yeah. even make sense in the context <laughs> it's a mess and
1: i feel like so the thing that i i liked about the way you do this because so the, the the way you explain where you're learning we're trying to type out the code and do all that you only have like so much like brain power towards doing both yeah. of the things like talking and actually trying to express what you're doing there and coding at the same time. I feel like that kind of gets in the way with, and I think that that's a part of why I say so many stupid things or like mess yeah. up a lot during a tutorial because you're trying to think about like a bunch of things. Yeah, the way yeah. you do it is you don't have that problem it seems.
0: Yeah, yeah. So one of the like most common problem I had was when I had like a bigger project I want to make a video on. When I coded it and talked at the same time, I always had to like think of what next thing to do. Yeah. Sure, I had like another screen for the project, but I still had to navigate to those different places to see, like, OK, now I'm going to create this new class. And I would create that class. And then I had to look over to the left side, check that class, and then go back here again, and then try to code out. And then realize, like, oh, I don't have access to that variable yet because it's missing in another class because I haven't added that yet. But when I do it with out, like voice, act, uh, voice voice acting, voiceover, <laughs> uh, that way it doesn't really matter if I miss something because those parts I used to edit out, uh, and I may, used to make the code fit in and I used to mix and match it. It doesn't it doesn't make the voice like because if you have like, let's say you record three different classes and you notice that one thing misses in the uh, last class, what what the way I can do it now is I can just move that coding part over to the middle instead, mm-hmm. and then that makes sense instead. But if I would have done a normal like coding session and just recorded, I can't move that part because that would make then the voice or when when I speak that doesn't even make sense because I just cut out and put something in a weird spot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know you're not trying to sell me on it,
1: but you're kind of selling. <laughs> it. I don't think I. Is it's still like a good amount of work. I think my biggest problem is uh like there's still a, a lot of work in terms of like creativity and yeah. getting all the pieces together and making all work and um yeah I think that I think that style I really enjoy watching it, but I just don't know if I would yeah, do it. Yeah, it's a, it's
0: a lot more work to do it that way. Uh making a normal video I could do it within a day very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh but now it takes probably a couple of days from coming up with a topic to then Coding it to then voiceovering it to then finding all of the different icons and all of those things. So it's quite a lot of work. That's why I like one video a week is right at the point of maximum that I actually can complete mm-hmm. without going pretty much insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then still from because when I started making the videos again three months ago, uh, I released or I was done with the videos on Saturday, I think, Saturday evening. And from from going from Saturday evening it's been pushed a bit every week mm-hmm. so now I'm done with the video at like Monday evening instead yeah. so it's like pushing now of course I have like two weeks ahead for all of the videos yeah. but it's still pushing a bit more than one week every time so it's like the actual time is not one week it's like one week and one hour So <laughs> mm-hmm. so soon or at some point I'm going to be at like that point where I have to complete it faster than one week but not at that point yet, so I don't have to worry yet. <laughs> yeah, that seems tough.
1: But all right. We got one last question that I think is a t- is going to be a harder one. Yep. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> so, so what is the worst part about Flutter? Or mm. your, your biggest pain point?
0: Or what you wish was better? The biggest pain point is probably the way... Google has handled packages and not packages in general, but more about the Google supported packages. Mm. Uh, So a lot of them hasn't had the, like, so for example, if you look at like provider or like Riverport, all of those have like very good documentation, very good feedback and everything just works. And there's like issues that getting handled, like taken care of, but other packages that are like more made by Google. I can't come up with a specific one, but let's say used in-app purchases, for example, it's just not intuitive and the documentation is really bad at those. And I think like those things could be improved quite a lot with. So for example, if you compare, um, I haven't really checked the Google payment uh, documentation in a while now, but at least for like four or four months or a half a year ago, uh, comparing that documentation in the README and the example code to things in the documentation of the actual Flutter documentation, it's like a night and day difference. It just feels like the the packages was a second thought or an afterthought. Yeah. And a lot of those could be approved quite a lot. And just getting more first hand support pretty much from Googling like themselves.
1: Yeah, I think I that's noticed. like the most things. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's. Pretty good point. I noticed uh, the same thing with like the camera plugin, like the main yeah. little camera plugin. Like it doesn't actually. I don't know. I haven't checked it in a couple months yeah. now either. Maybe maybe it got a lot better. I'm not sure, but I know back in the day it didn't do a lot of like the basic things you wanted want like for
0: a camera to do. Yeah. So, but I think like now, um, they released like a couple of months ago the Flutter community or the. Uh, like there is a list of different packages that are getting like real support to getting fixed up because a lot of those, I don't know if it's the camera app specifically, but you say camera app f- is for an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe that one didn't have all of the features or didn't have good documentation or whatever. But now it seems like they have a goal of creating those packages and making them good. So hopefully that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one will solve it. But other than that, I haven't really found any issues mm-hmm. working in Flutter. And then now I have worked in Flutter like two years, yeah. so like that's the biggest pain point. But then, then of course, I could just make it myself yeah. as well. It's just it's just a uh, implementation for Android and iOS. Yeah. So like, it's just a small pain point in that case. Yeah, I know.
1: Knowing you, I know you mentioned data classes before. I thought that was going to be your biggest answer. Or the worst part (laughs) is it is it not that big of a pain point i guess because there is freeze
0: like you still yeah there's
1: ways to do it around it right
0: yeah so like it would be nice to have all of those like dart features uh but like the way that flutter is made it's just i think the features would be nice but as dart is very simple to use it's like a It's like either you get, for example, Kotlin is a lot harder to get into compared to Dart. Mm -hmm. uh, And they have a more structured way of working. But Dart is super easy to get into. And that's like, either you have a, it feels like either you have a very complicated language that has a lot of features, or you have a more basic or simple language. And then build on top of that and make new features. So it feels like, they are probably in the works, for example, non alability is one huge one yeah. that I really missed from working in Kotlin for native. And that one is like probably early next year going out full with Dart and Flutter. So that's one huge one. And after that, I think probably a lot of it will just build upon that. So like yeah, data classes will probably be not like far, far yeah. away anyway. So so. That's awesome. okay. Yeah, and there is like packages for code generation to fix those things. So it's just it's yeah. just a matter of I don't really like code generation, yeah. but it still works, so
1: yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining me being the first guest on this um, great That's a long and one. Guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't expect it to go this long. <laughs> I, had, I had like a whole bunch of other questions I was going to going to ask but I didn't want to hold you up for the whole day. I know it's, nice. a, it's a little later in Sweden over there. Yeah. But um, make sure you subscribe to Robert's YouTube channel. This is going to be in the description. Do you have anything else you want to promote?
0: Uh, maybe the Twitter. He's on but Twitter mostly, too. Make sure they'll be in the description. Yeah. But mostly YouTube. That's like, with YouTube, you will find me everywhere else. It's like, whatever you feel like. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining. And, yeah. um Of course.
1: Have a nice one. Bye.